everybody welcome. Uh, always want to welcome you, Jeff. Jim, maybe start telling because you saw us online. Why don't you just say it online? But we can show up in person very soon as well. Thanks all the volunteers who make this happen every week. And every person who makes this happen every week. And every person who makes this happen every week. And every person who makes this happen every week. And every person who makes this happen every week. So, I guess there might be a few people around here who are troubled in some way, who are fearful about something, who are stressed out, who are are carrying around some sort of concern or frustration or burden or pain in the battle with anybody that may be out of Okay, Jesus was troubled too. We're all going to be troubled about certain things, but the difference is we don't have to hang on to them. We can turn to the Lord, we can put our trust in Him. And that's what's going on in this upper room here on the Thursday night before Jesus is going to be uh, crucified. Is that uh, He's facing Arrest, betrayal, denial, trial, beating, surging, crucifixion, and he was troubled. But he knew that there were greater things to come. So it's okay to feel those things, but know there's something greater ahead. So after the disciples are told all these things, the priest taken up, they are uh, experiencing emotional distress, they are Sorrowful over the disturbing news that Jesus has given them about his upcoming departure. And so, what we typically call this message in the upper room is we call the upper room discourse. Because uh, Jesus is encouraging them and teaching them and strengthening them, giving them promises of, uh, of life, of the Holy Spirit, of uh, answers to prayer, all these things that are going to get them through and, and show them that there are greater things yet to come. I guess we got we got, we got to talk about missions today, too, as well. After the message of missions, we're going to talk about that. But then this, this chapter has so many great verses in it that everyone deserves some message. But we're just going to go through this uh, as quickly as we can. And we're going to see, you're going to hear all these verses. You're going to hear that before. Probably at a funeral, because Jesus is on the brink of death. And so many things he says here, we talk about at funerals, because it's spiritual, it's spiritual, greater things to come. So right off the bat, verse 1, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. So you have to feel it, but you don't have to let it overwhelm you. You don't have to let it be you. You just have to trust me. I don't have to trust you. The greater thing to come. He's a source of help and hope. He says, In my Father's house are many rooms. That's a big old house with lots of rooms. Now, sometimes I just mistranslated. We we hear people talk about a mansion in heaven. You hear that? And it's really misunderstanding of a Latin translation of room. It's just a room. But if you're one of God's kids, and he's got a room for you in his house, a dwelling place. Uh, and again, it's a metaphor, so don't take too little away. You've got to it. He's got a place for you. And it's awesome to think that Jesus is right there now preparing this place for us. He's going to come back and get it. Man, you know, it's going to be imminent. We're going to be ready to rise up and meet him in the air at any time. But that's what gets us through whatever trials and troubles and tribulations we're facing is knowing Jesus is coming back to better things to come, greater things ahead. That is not the end. So when Thomas um, is wanting to know the way to heaven, the way to the Father, uh, Jesus makes it really one of the most revolutionary, profoundly provocative and divisive statements ever in verse 6. That's what we saw. I'll read this out loud again. Jesus says, 
I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, grasp the implications of that. There is only one way to heaven, and it's through believing Jesus is Lord and Savior. There is no other way. It's not like he is one of many ways. It's one way, that's it. I mean, it reminds me, uh, thinking of the events of that game movie, one way. One way, right? Remember Dr. Strange? You know, I saw this where they're uh, in the final battle, and Dr. Strange already looked ahead to all these millions of different ways things could turn out, and every single one, they lose. The events will lose. Except one. It's just like this one, only one way. That's Jesus. There's millions of ways to God. The world tells us that the all end is failure. The dead end. There's only one way that we win this thing, not to Jesus. Now, there are many ways to Jesus. You can know about Jesus through a sermon, through a book, through a TV, a podcast, broadcast, concert, all kinds of ways to know about him. But he is the only way to the Father. So this is absolutely exclusive. Uh, the only ones who are going to be in heaven are those who put their faith in Jesus But it's also absolutely inclusive because everyone's invited, all are welcome, if you put your faith in Christ. It doesn't matter what your nationality, ethnicity, status in society, your class, your age, your stage of life, your previous religious affiliation. Everybody's welcome, all invited, but you've got to go through Jesus. And of course, that is an outrageous, audacious claim if it weren't true. If Jesus is just another spiritual guru, religious reformer, some uh, fanatical, sociopathic, egomaniac, making these claims, okay, yeah, but he backed it up. I mean, he showed us that it was true through his previous ministry, all his miracles. And if that weren't enough to convince you, then you've got a few days the resurrection is going to happen. It's going to be the deciding factor. So Jesus becomes our ticket. He becomes our object. He becomes our guide into heaven. And nobody else can do that for you. Only he can. All the other ways, that's there. Uh, no way at all. Everybody is lost. It's not only right here. I mean, few people are lost. Most of them are There is salvation in no one, for there is no other name under heaven given among men. What does that mean? What? Jesus. Jesus is the only name by which he must be saved. He is the way because he is the truth and the life. Many people are searching for truth, but they never arrive. They never see the truth because they don't believe in Jesus. They reject, they deny, they, they put aside Jesus. Because they, they think, well, there are many truths. Everybody's got a truth, right? Um, is that your truth? Is that my truth? No, that's not what truth is. It's not what truth is. Truth is objective. It corresponds to reality. It's not what everyone subjectively wanted to be. I mean, we don't we don't treat truth that way when it comes to mathematical formulations or pharmaceutical prescriptions or when we judge the case in court. No, this is actually truth that corresponds to reality. You can't reject it or deny it. It's not. It's not whatever works for you. 
really worse on Judgment Day. What makes you love your God? Well, that's Jesus. Jesus is the truth. God is the source of truth, and Jesus is your God too. Because He is the source of life. He has life within Himself. He alone can offer you abundant, greater, eternal life. You won't find it anywhere else. And He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And there's that special name for God again. And when God reveals Himself as Jehovah, Yahweh, however you want to pronounce it, it's I am. I am that I am. That's who Jesus is. Because if you know me, you would know him. You know the Father. But even then, they don't understand. Philip says, show us the Father. I mean, Moses got a glimpse. Isaiah saw a vision. We want to see the Father, too. He's like, you kidding me? You still don't know who I am? After all this time, after all my teaching, all my miracles, you still haven't figured out that when you look at me, you're looking at the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father, the Father's in me, and the mutual indwelling? Because all these words come from my Father, all the works I'm doing are through my Father. Just look. Open your eyes. And yet, as great as all that Jesus did, He makes it the sounding tongues of greater things. And verse 12, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these He will do. Because I'm going to the Father. Now, what can He possibly mean? Jesus. 
do greater things. So Jesus said, that's why I'm going there. So that you can continue on my work. You're not going to be the father. You're going to be the father. You're going to be the father. And he leads to these greater works that we're going to be able to do. And that's just clear. Whatever you ask in my name, it's going to be true. That the Father may be glorified in the And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Of course, the most troubling heart is really hurting to know that you can see the God. If you ask anything, but I put God in the church. I think it's important. You don't have to ask him for anything to get it. We pray in his name. That's what the phrase we talk on to the end of the church. That's about having access to the Father. Acknowledge, I'm repeating these things because of you. He gets me into the throne room of grace. And when I pray in his name, the name represents the person. So I'm praying in a way like Jesus, according to his will, according to his character. So yeah, I'm going to pray for the same kinds of things as Jesus, things that are pleasing to him. Glorifying them greater things that would further his If you love me, stay with me. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. The key, that, that's it right there. Love isn't just a feeling. Love is what you do. And you can't say, I love God, and then continue to disobey Him. That's hypocrisy. Obedience demonstrates our love. It's the fruit. It's the evidence. So here's what they got to do today. To believe is to love, is to obey, is to experience greater things from God. They all go together. Because if you believe in the Lord, you're going to love Him. If you love Him, you're going to obey Him. If you obey Him, that's when you receive greater things. You can't separate them. Which means that I cannot settle for being a casual, comfortable, cultural, pragmatic Christian. That means I've got to be committed. I've got to be all in for Jesus to pray for the things that He wants. I don't want to miss out on the greater things. I don't want to forfeit the greater things. Because I think it's all about me and what I want. And this isn't a promise of material prosperity and success. It's not selfish things. It's a promise of greater things that we've got a greater cause worth living for, worth giving our life for. Now I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. On our own. We need help. So that's why we have a secret weapon. We have this powerful ally called the Holy Spirit. Jesus promises in verse 16, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper. Now, that word for helper is the Greek word paraclete. Literally means someone who's called alongside. So it can be translated as a helper, or as an advocate, as a counselor, as a comforter. And the Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Father and the Son. There's a whole lot about the Trinity in this chapter. And the idea that these three divine persons who are one being are so closely connected and that they're so involved with one another. Yeah, even the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Jesus. 
Jesus was the disciple helper, he said, I'm going to go away and send you another helper. Jesus left us, but he didn't abandon us as orphans. He's still with us through his spirit. God with us all the time. Because when Jesus was here on earth, uh, he was limited. He was contained to a body. So only in one place at one time for so many people. He could live with people. He could live in them. That's why he went back with his body and sent the Holy Spirit and come into that. He could be with us all the time. That's what he said. Yeah. All the time. Everywhere. That's something they didn't have before. In the Old Testament, where the presence of the Spirit was there, but it was pretty low key, pretty strong. You would see the Spirit show up every once in a while. Uh, to come upon a certain person, person for a certain purpose, complete a task, something powerful or amazing, like for, for a prophet or a king or a judge, but not for an ordinary Jewish person. That's a huge difference in the New Testament, is that every ordinary Christian has a permanent influence power of the Holy Spirit. He's a helper at all times, and he's able to do greater things for God to carry out his work with and self-help is no substitute. And when we're struggling, when we, when we have trouble, what do we do? Well, we can find somewhere for help, right? And, and we say, I need somebody, I need a life coach or something. I need some sort of guru, uh, some sort of guide, mentor to help me. Now, you can give me a little bit of help that way. But we're supposed to turn to the Lord first. We get our guidance from Him, not from some humanistic, quasi-spiritual person who, who likes a book or does a podcast or is on TV. Uh, we already have the best book on the market. It's not a self-help book. It is the God-help book. You can turn that first. So, you know, we're always telling people, well, you need to get some help. So what do you do? You know, our therapist can give you some help, but come on, therapist, Therapists are flawed people. They got their own problems. Uh, they, they don't have all the answers either. And listen, if they are directing you in a way that doesn't consult God, then not only can they mislead you, but they can be very dangerous in your advice if they give you. They can actually lead you away from God. Why? Because they can't even begin to deal with the root issue of most problems. Because most of our problems are not mental health issues. They're spiritual issues. Every problem pretty much has a spiritual root to it, and they can't even touch that. So what do you do? You find a Christian to help you. You might even turn to a minister to help you. You know, because we're free. But, you know, you get what you pay for a lot of times, right? Um, and I'm going to try to help you. But you know what? I'm limited too. And I'm flawed. And I'm just as messed up as you sometimes. So, you know the best way I can help you is to point you to what does God say about it? To direct you, encourage you, to just participate in Jesus. Spiritual habits of reading the Bible and praying and weekly worship and fellowship with other Christians. Those things alone can be tremendous forces. How God is giving you these incredible resources of His Word, of the Spirit, of the Church. Take advantage of all that help. 
And even when it comes to Christian counsel, if you need to consult someone, be careful. Are they truly pointing to Scripture, or have they been sucked into the world's way of thinking? The world is written, they happen. I think truly biblical counselors are a rare breed. We have a website called
There was nothing for the devil to grab onto. There was no foot in the door into Jesus' life. And as long as we're in place, the devil has no claim on us why because we're forgiven. And he gets no foothold in our life unless we open the door and let him. God has greater things for you. If you believe, if you believe, if you obey, 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 and as long as you are part of the world system, and you're going to be God, and you're going to be able to get to the end of the world, you see, there's things that are going to be struggling with your people, and you're going to be able to get to the end of the world. When you bury yourself,
Uh, so they're uh, they're doing the human user work there in Ontario, Burlington, and Guelph, and um, it's still going on. So I think that if you Over many years, I've been interested in new evangelism here in Michigan. But we're deciding to go a different direction because CCP is a good organization, but they are not being as effective as they want to be. Then some mission differences with them. So we're deciding to try something different. Instead of going through a middleman, Let's just plan the church directly ourselves. How about we start our own church, independent church, within five years? Now, I'm not talking about starting another chapel somewhere down the river. I'm talking about a brand new, fun track, independent church, something we've wanted to do for many, many years. Let's go ahead and plan to do that now. We don't know uh, how or when or who exactly is this point, but we've got five years to do this in. It depends on how much we've given over these five years. We may be able to do this completely on our own. We may be able to do it mostly on our own, or we may end up still partnering with some other churches or some other organizations. But let's get a plan in the church started. I think it would be something maybe like some of the things that we raised in some way. We don't know exactly where it's going to be. It could be any place. It could be in county. It could be down in Toledo. Somewhere else. It could be anywhere. And we don't know exactly when, but we're going to go back on the 
So we're trying to find the right person, the right person at the right time for the right place. So that's very exciting that we're pregnant. Uh, we're going to have a baby in about five years. Anyone want to be pregnant for five years? <laughs> well, we're going to be pregnant for five years. Um, and, you know, about 20% of what we get from this is going to be pregnant. That's really exciting. You know that, that for the end of this month, February 20th and 26th, every dollar you give that whole week is going to go to these countries for the whole year. But it's collected in that one week. That's what they get for the whole year. And you guys have been very patient with me for the past seven years. And you have to ask here, you guys are giving me $80,000 in one week. That's what you guys are giving me. So I'm hoping we will at least reach that to pass that. We can start to increase so right now, uh, we're going to go ahead and share that message. And if you're not a believer, you can take a moment to go up a little bit. But as a believer, we're going to take the bread and the cup and get the bread and the We saw Jesus doing this with the disciples. The last supper, we continue to do it every Sunday, what we call the Lord's Supper. He reminds us of his body and his blood. Right now, you're missing to those around us. 